Chapter Forty Two of Miss Billy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. Miss Billy by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Forty Two. The End of the Story. It was two days after Billy's new happiness had come to her that Cyril came home. He went very soon to see Billy. The girl was surprised at the change in his appearance. He had grown thin and haggard-looking, and his eyes were somber. He moved restlessly about the room for a time, finally seating himself at the piano and letting his fingers slip from one mournful little melody to another. Then with a discordant crash he turned. Billy, do you think any girl would marry me? he demanded. Why, Cyril, there now, please don't begin that, he begged fretfully. I realize, of course, that I'm a very unlikely subject for matrimony. You made me understand that clearly enough last winter. Last winter? Cyril raised his eyebrows. Oh, I came to you for a little encouragement and to make a confession, he said. I made the confession, but I didn't get the encouragement. Billy changed color. She thought she knew what he meant, but at the same time she couldn't understand why he should wish to refer to that conversation now. A confession, she repeated hesitatingly. Yes, I told you that I'd begun to doubt my being such a woman-hater after all. I intimated that you'd begun the softening process, and that then I'd found a certain other young woman who had, well, who had kept up the good work. Oh, cried Billy suddenly, with a peculiar intonation. Oh, then she laughed softly. Well, that was the confession, resumed Cyril. Then I came out flat-footed and said that I wanted to marry her, but there is where I didn't get the encouragement. Indeed, I'm afraid I wasn't very considerate, stammered Billy. No, you weren't, agreed Cyril moodily. I didn't know, but now, his voice softened a little, with this new happiness of yours and Bertram's that you might find a little encouragement for me. And I will, cried Billy promptly. Tell me about her. I did last winter, reproached the man, and you were sure I was deceiving myself. You drew the gloomiest sort of picture of the misery I would take with the wife. I did? Billy was laughing very merrily now. Yes, you said she'd always be talking and laughing when I wanted to be quiet and that she'd want to drag me out to parties and plays when I wanted to stay at home, and, oh, lots of things. I tried to make it clear to you that, that this little woman wasn't that sort, but I couldn't, finished Cyril gloomily. But of course she isn't, declared Billy, with quick sympathy. I, I didn't know what I was talking about, she added with emphatic distinctness. Then she smiled to think how little Cyril knew how very true those words were. Tell me about her, she begged again. I know she must be very lovely and brilliant and, of course, a wonderful musician. You couldn't choose anyone else. To her surprise, Cyril turned abruptly and began to play again. A nervous little staccato scherzo fell from his fingers, but it dropped almost at once into a quieter melody and ended with something that sounded very much like the last strain of Home Sweet Home. Then he wheeled about on the piano stool. Billy, that's exactly where you're wrong. I don't want that kind of wife. I don't want a brilliant one, and now, Billy, this sounds like horrible heresy, I know, but it's true. I don't care whether she can play or not. 
but I should prefer that she shouldn't play much. Why, Cyril Henshaw, and you with your music, as if you could be contented with a woman like that. Oh, I want her to like music, of course, modified Cyril, but I don't care to have her make it. Billy, do you know, you'll laugh, of course, but my picture of a wife is always one thing. A room with a table and a shaded lamp and a little woman beside it with the light on her hair and a great basket of sewing beside her. You see, I am domestic, he finished a little defiantly. I should say you were, laughed Billy, and you have found her? This little woman who is to do nothing but sit and sew in the circle of the shaded lamp? Yes, I've found her, but I'm not at all sure she's found me. That's where I want your help. Oh, I don't mean, of course, he added, that she's got to sit under that lamp all the time. It's only that, that I hope she likes that sort of thing. And does she? Yes, that is, I think she does, smiled Cyril. Anyhow, she told me once that the things she liked best to do in all the world were to mend stockings and to make puddings. Billy sprang to her feet with a little cry. Now, indeed, had Cyril kept his promise and made many things clear to her. Cyril, come here, she cried tremulously, leading the way to the open veranda door. The next moment Cyril was looking across the lawn to the little summer-house in the midst of Billy's rose-garden. In full view within the summer-house sat Marie, sewing. Go, Cyril, she's waiting for you, smiled Billy mistily. The light's only the sun to be sure, and maybe there isn't a whole basket of sewing there, but she's there. You guessed then, breathed Cyril. I've not guessed, I know, and it's all right. You mean, only Cyril's pleading eyes finished the question. Yes, I'm sure she does, nodded Billy. And then she added under her breath as the man passed swiftly down the steps, Marie Henshaw, indeed. So t'was Cyril all the time, and never Bertram, who was the inspiration of that bit of paper giveaway. When she turned back into the room, she came face to face with Bertram. I spoke, dear, but you didn't hear, he said, as he hurried forward with outstretched hands. Bertram greeted Billy with surprising irrelevance, and they all lived happily ever after. They did. Isn't that always the ending to the story, a love story? Of course, said Bertram with emphasis. Our love story. And theirs, supplemented Billy softly. But Bertram did not hear that. End of Miss Billy by Eleanor Porter